Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. I want more to feel free and tell them that we love them. I've looked at clear cuts and burnt forest and I've felt outraged. We are the crowning glory of God's creation, and all of nature was made for us. Nature is more productive because of us, not less. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Perhaps we need more than just the doctrine of sovereignty. This is Wretched Radio. You may have gasped when you heard me say that maybe we need more theologies than just sovereignty because you love sovereignty. I love sovereignty. It is an extremely comforting doctrine. It tells us that whatever befalls us, whatever is happening around the globe, God is ordaining it. God is providentially running everything, and we can rest in that when calamity strikes. Last week, there was a tragedy, a really, really big loss to the evangelical community, to biblical counseling, to the local church, to his family, his friends, his colleagues. I'm talking about the tragic and very sudden death of Dr. Lou Priolo. One week ago, Dr. Lou Priolo breathed his last, leaving behind a family who absolutely adored him and leaving behind a body of work that if you are not familiar with Dr. Lou Priolo's work, you will be blessed by it. This man was prolific. The number of books that he's written, Letting Go of Legalism, that's a big deal, isn't it? There's some people who can be very legalistic, whether it's length of hair, going to movies, uh, some of the things we say and read. It can be a very legalistic landscape that many of us have to navigate through. Dr. Lou wanted to help you with that, resolving conflict, teaching them diligently how to use the scriptures and child training, discontentment, why am I so unhappy? How's about the complete husband? A practical guide for improved biblical husbanding. And how would he know? Well, he was such a husband. And he counseled hundreds, perhaps thousands of couples. This, I'm telling you, I've seen him, I've seen him work. His biblical counseling is absolutely astounding. You will see it in Transformed. He actually did 13 episodes with us that he never got to see brought to completion because we haven't finished them yet. And we watched a man interact with couples in such an amazing way. And just to give you a little peek into Dr. Lou Priolo, who has biblically counseled hundreds of couples. Rule number one or principle number one in biblical counseling is that you establish a relationship with somebody. You spend some time talking about them. Where do you like to go on vacation? Tell me about your childhood. The goal is to establish trust. And Lou agreed in principle that that is a crucial component of biblical counseling, that you must have a relationship with somebody. Otherwise, they are far less likely to take you seriously, believe that you have their best in mind. He believed that principle, but how did he practice it? 
Did he have a roster of questions? So tell me, what's your favorite ice cream? Nope. He burst into the counseling room, and from the first words he uttered, that couple knew, I can trust that guy. He cares. He was he was pastoral, and yet you could tell when he was interacting with people who were struggling in marriage, an emotional issue, a sin struggle, you knew that this guy was for you. And that's what he dedicated his life to. That's, that's why it's such a tremendous loss. Pleasing people. How to not be an approval junkie. Manipulation. Knowing how to respond. The heart of anger. Biblical counseling. Kind of a just a... This is what you should expect if you go into biblical counseling. He's got booklets on bitterness, discontentment, deception, fear, divorce. I think we get the point, don't we? And there's probably another 20 books. And he's not going to be writing another one. Because the Lord determined last week was his last day on this planet. And it set a number of us on our heels. Maybe in a different era, when we hadn't experienced the advancements of medicine that we enjoy today, uh, somebody dying quickly was probably more common and potentially less shocking. Lou's death was very sudden by modern standards. He started feeling, we were scheduling a meet, we were going to go out, we were, we were working on a new initiative for next year. We were going to do a bunch of magnificent work together. And we were planning on going to meet to discuss this and kind of nail down some of the details. And he said, I, I can't make it, I just feel weak. Went to the doctor. They didn't really know for sure what he was experiencing, but he grew weak. Right after Thanksgiving, he developed sepsis, went into ICU, and died right after midnight. And that's shocking because that doesn't seem right. What, what do you mean they couldn't figure it out? What do you mean they didn't know what was going on? This, 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 this is 2023. What's happening here? Why could this not be figured out and resolved and fixed? And so it was shocking. Furthermore, those of us who knew and loved Lou, he was a vibrant guy. I think he was 67. You'd never know a dapper fellow. You know, those Italians. And he just seemed so alive and vibrant. And now gone. And you can't help but stop. And in a very practical way, remember, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. You do, you do not know how many days you have left? Teach us, Lord, to number our days. Well, Lou's passing forced us to consider how many days because no, you don't need to be in your 60s for the Lord to take you suddenly. You can be six, 16, because he knows the best day for you to die. He's determined it. It's written in his books. You are not escaping it. And we need to remember that this life is a vapor. It is a breath. And it could be any day. And I think Lou knew that his whole life, which is why he has such a massive body of work. He was working unto the Lord while there was light. But there was a second thought that struck me and lingered with me that maybe, just maybe, might be a tremendous takeaway from the tragic death of our beloved friend, Dr. Lou Priolo. 
I couldn't help but immediately think upon hearing his death. Within seconds, the Lord is sovereign. He's determined this. He knows best. That was right there. Because I've been trying to practice what I've preached. It's always better to have the doctrine of sovereignty fixed in your noggin before the tragedy strikes. And so, thankfully, that thought was there. And yet, I'm not sure that just sovereignty is enough. When you are knocked back on your heels, and when you're reeling, and when you realize, whoa, I'm really in control of nothing, nothing. And this hurts, and it's hard. And I don't mean to, I'm not being cheeky and trying to diminish sovereignty. It is a lofty theology. But do you want to run to a sovereign God or to a loving God? Now, I know the answer is both. But I wonder if perhaps in our circles we have done a fine job of emphasizing the sovereignty of God in suffering. But what about the emphasis on the love of God when tragedy strikes? And so it got me to thinking, and perhaps maybe this will be an exercise that might bear some fruit for you. If I were to be in Lou's shoes, I w- I, I'm, I'm the one who suddenly started getting weak. And the doctor said, we don't know. We suspect, but we don't know. And this isn't looking good at all. What I know in that moment, my God loves me so that I can fly to him. Perhaps put from a different perspective, is my love for the Lord so great because I know his love for me that he's the first one I want to go to. The first one that I, that I, that I want to run to is my Lord, my Savior, my God, because I know that he is tender and that he is good and that he is gracious and that he is faithful and that he's filled with mercy and compassion And he never gives a cup of poison to his children. He only does things for us because, yes, he is sovereign, but he is good and he is loving. And so maybe, just maybe, as we take some time to remember the life of Dr. Lou Priolo, perhaps his death will cause us to do a little bit of an inventory. Is your box on the doctrine of sovereignty checked? Good. But is your box checked on the doctrine of the love of God? This is Wretched Radio. As you know, we like to talk about MediShare here because it's affordable biblical health sharing. And I actually saw an ad from MediShare announcing themselves to missionaries. How smart is that? What a blessing that might be. If you're not familiar with MediShare, it's an alternative to traditional health insurance, which means it's alternatively less expensive. The average family saves about $500 per month. It's Christians sharing the health burdens of other Christians. It's a beautiful thing. 
whether you're a missionary or not. If in that is a need you have, I encourage you, metashare.com slash wretched, metashare.com slash wretched, or call them and talk to a nice person who's going to pray for you. And they will tell you what your family can anticipate. And you can ask questions. 844-34-BIBLE. 844-34-BIBLE. Well, thanks to our amazing gospel partners around here, we have been able to accomplish some pretty amazing things in 2023. This past year, we were able to launch Season 2 of Transformed. We launched Wretched Worldview 2. And let's not forget Season 4 of Road Trip to Truth, plus hundreds of hours of Wretched TV and radio. Now, what's possible for 2024? Well, we are excited to tell you about something new that we'll be starting next year. Can't let the cat out of the bag just yet, but what we can tell you is we need your help in order to make it happen. That's why we want you to prayerfully consider becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner. And right now through the end of the year, when you do that, every donation you give will be matched dollar for dollar. So join us, become a gospel partner today, and together let's make 2024 even wretched-er. In a good way, of course. Hmm, something is happening in the Philippines. Wait, I know what it is. Jesus is building his church. Please meet Pastor Kitu Espiritu from the Master's Academy International in the Philippines. Your support allows us to fill pulpits and transform lives. Pastors are being equipped to rightly divide the truth. People in the Philippines are hearing the truth rightly preached and coming to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Jesus is on the march in the Philippines. Souls are being saved, churches are being built, and yet there are too many empty pulpits. And that is where you come in. Would you please consider filling an empty pulpit in the Philippines so that people can hear the word rightly divided? The Masters Academy International training pastors to do just that in the Philippines and 17 other nations. To learn more, please visit wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. Know your reformers. Martin Luther was a German monk and professor who was plagued with doubt about his salvation. When he finally read the Bible for himself, he rediscovered the doctrine of justification by grace through faith. His bold witness for biblical truth was the spark that ignited the Protestant Reformation. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Sorry for putting it this way, but is your love box checked? This is Wretched Radio. Dr. Lou Priolo was taken home. I'm on my way to his funeral. I am sure that we are going to hear about the love of God. I am sure of it. And I would simply ask you, as you have been hopefully preparing yourself for tragedy and studying the sovereignty of God, which is well, right, and good that you do that. It is one of the most helpful exercises that you can undertake. Understand, he's sovereign. He's, he's got this. He's in control of everything. Nothing is out of his purview. This didn't, this didn't sneak up on God. He knows what's going on because he ordains everything. That's good. But in a moment of difficulty, when it's just woof, hard, and now I'm 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 I I I do not I do not want to get 
romantic about this. I, I do not want to make this gloppy. But do you, do you know that when you run to God in those moments, we'll just say it's a spiritual embrace, that his arms are wide open, and he actually bids you, come on, come to me, come to me. I care, I love, come to me. Is that box checked as you prepare for the rest of your life to experience tragedy and hardship? I hope so. I think Dr. Priolo would want you to have that box checked, that he would want you to be prepared for difficulty, a scary diagnosis, or even death. That, yep, you can be comforted in knowing God is sovereign. You can also be comforted in knowing that God is good. But please make sure that you are trying to really beef up your understanding that of the love that God has for you so that in those moments of scary times, when you're rocked, you know you can, you know you should run to him. Are you working on that? Are you cultivating that? If not, I encourage you to do so. There are books. We've got them. Heath Lambert's The Great Love of God. But read your Bible. This could be an exercise for you if you've been perhaps a little bit flat in your Bible reading. Read those verses and just and just consider how much God must love us for him to do that. Look at all the stuff that he did. And, oh, and that was that's credited to me because he actually loves me? Please take the time to cultivate that. Don't let your theology stay in your noggin. Let him trickle down. Let him warm you so that you can be in the relationship that God actually died to facilitate. Remember, I know this sounds radical, but justification, that's not the end. It's a means. The end is that you would be brought into a warm, loving relationship with your God. Dr. Lou Priola would like you to cultivate that. And so on this day, when I'm headed to the funeral of a man who impacted my life in a very short amount of time, he's one of those guys you do well to study. Whenever you run into somebody that seems really godly, do your best to be a leech, glom on or at least watch from a distance. Be a, be a Christian stalker and study that person. You'll learn, and I learned a lot from watching Lou Priola. I learned a ton. And you're going to get a little taste of that because we were actually in studio for a number of Wretched TV episodes, which we have not released yet. And I thought, how appropriate on this day that we give a listen you're going to hear the warmth of this man, the wisdom of this man, the passion of this man, whose loss we are mourning today. Dr. Lou Priolo has written a book on a very prevalent emotion, fear. Dr. Priolo, we think of fear and we automatically think it's bad. But fear isn't always wrong, is it? No. Fear is mentioned like 389-ish times in the Bible. But no, fear, every emotion, every emotion that God gave us is power for good and power for evil. There's always, a, it, it's even jealousy. We'd hear that and go, oh no, jealousy is always bad. No, not necessarily. There's God a is, good and a bad. He's jealous. And Paul says to the Corinthians, I'm jealous for you 
because I am afraid. Jealousy is actually a form of fear. It's the fear of being displaced usually. So yes, it, there's a good kind of jealousy. There's a bad kind of jealousy. There's a good kind of anger. Be angry and do not sin. God is angry at the wicked every day. Jesus turned and looked on them in, in anger. There's a time for anger, Solomon says. So there's a good type of anger. In fact, in fact, in Ephesians 4, you have both in the same passage, in the same chapter, just a few verses away from each other. It's an imperative. Be angry, but don't sin. And then a few verses later, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you along with all malice and be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving to one another. And so, yes, Power for good, power for evil. By the way, anger is like over 500 times in the Bible. And that's just man's anger. You put God's anger in there, forget about it. (laughs) You got a a whole lot of anger. Over a thousand, yeah. All right, so then describe for me what would be sinful fear. Fear, sinful fear has a number of different manifestations. I identify several of them in the book. But when fear keeps us from doing what God wants us to do, that's one example of sinful fear. When we are afraid of that which the Bible forbids us to be afraid of, then that is sinful fear. When fear keeps us from loving God and loving our neighbor the way that we should, that is sinful fear. The antidote to fear is love. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. My love for God and my love for my neighbor should impel me to love them, to meet their needs. And in the process of doing that, maybe not immediately, but over time should force out my fear, should overcome my fear. And there are several other definitions or descriptions of fear in the booklet. What you do really well is to kind of turn the coin a little bit to help us see, wait, I thought I was experiencing this, but it's really that. So here's an example of that. Mm -hmm. Somebody who lusts after money. Well, they do, but it could be that they have a fear of poverty. Right. So that helps you then get to the root of the issue. It's not so much the lusting after money. It's the fear that you're going to be in the poorhouse. Fear shows us our idolatrous desires very often. When we are afraid of losing something, there's a good chance that we want that something that we're afraid of losing more than we should, maybe even to the point of idolatry. Don't you think that that that's a part of an awful lot of our emotional instability. I'm afraid of something. I'm, I, I wanted this. It doesn't appear I'm going to get it because of the behavior of another person. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid of the consequences. So fear regularly motivates bad behavior. And it shows a lack of faith because we, we don't trust God's sovereignty. We don't trust his goodness. And so, yes, it often is indicative and um, discloses, it's indicative of a lack of faith, and it discloses that our faith is not as strong as it would otherwise be. Because if you had, if we, if any of us had 100% complete faith in a God who is sovereign Mm -hmm. and good Mm -hmm. and all-powerful, we got nothing to fear. There's, but we don't. Because we've practiced anxious thoughts, we've practiced selfish thinking, we've practiced unbiblical fear, 
And it just is sort of part of our nature. We see something and then immediately without thinking about it, our, our, our flesh just responds with an unbiblical thought and sometimes unbiblical actions. And so, again, one of the things about biblical counseling is we talk often about the put off and put on dynamic. You, you don't put off anger without trying to put on gentleness. You don't put off lust without trying to put on virtue or purity. You can't put off fear without making it your goal to be proficient at love. That's the idea. We, we, we don't break habits. Unbelievers break habits. We replace one habit with another. So if we had a, a glass that were filled with water and we wanted to empty it out in such a way that it would be hard for anyone else to fill it. If we just turned it over, someone would come along and fill it again. But if we took little pieces of, of pebbles and just filled it up from the bottom, right, the, the water would be displaced and then it would be harder for someone to come along and fill it. And so for some sins, it's a matter of putting off and putting on fear. I mean, Todd, stop being afraid. <laughs> I mean, it's, just, it's, it's so hard to even think about how you could stop being afraid unless you replace the fear with a love for God and love for neighbor. Told you. <laughs> Dr. Lupriolo, he would love for you to heal. And one of the most effective ways to accomplish that by focusing on the love of God. This is Wretched Radio. And it is now time for a Wretched News break here on Wretched Radio. I am Jimmy Hicks. Well, in legal news, that's where we start today. There are Christian groups in Washington state that are accusing the attorney general there of unlawfully investigating them due to their pro-life beliefs. And that shouldn't come as a shocker to any one of us. I mean, come on, the government intimidating people of faith? That doesn't happen, does it? Unfortunately, it does happen. And it's unethical. It's unconstitutional. I mean, if the most innocent lives aren't safe and allowed to be protected, then no one's freedom is secure. To the state of Michigan now, where there has been an approval of an extreme surrogacy bill that effectively erases parenthood. That's exactly what this bill is doing. Manufacturing babies through a commercial contract just treats children like commodities and women like incubators. The womb is not a rental property, people. It's not open for business. It shouldn't be. And most people, I believe, see this for what it is. It's dystopian. It's not progressive. Well, in education news, a teacher's union official compiled a list of wealthy nearby Jewish people calling them gluttonous and thieves. You know, people would do well to open a history book when they get done examining their neighbor's bank accounts. And finally, today overseas, Fulani herdsmen have killed seven Christians in Nigeria in the last week. And as we tell you daily here at Wretched, our brothers and sisters all over the world are facing persecution and horrendous evil. But as the book of Revelation promises, one day there will be no more mourning, there will be no more death, there will be no more crying or no more pain. But until then, let us fervently pray for all of our persecuted brothers and sisters abroad. That's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Mexican. 
The Incarnation is one of the greatest miracles recorded in the Bible. At the Incarnation, the eternal God became a human being. He did not abandon his deity, nor did he put on a human shell like a hand puts on a puppet. Jesus Christ is 100% human and 100% God, the only acceptable sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. If you don't know what we are missing, you're about to. This is Wretched Radio. Dr. Lou Priolo was taken home, and I am on my way to his funeral today. He had a massive body of biblical counseling work. He was a big-brained man, but as you're about to hear... Wow, what a likable guy. And and a bit of a character. You're going to hear it in his voice. What you're about to hear was the time that I spent with him oh, two, three months ago when he was here for recording something. And we sat in studio and we did some wretched TV. And we talked about the subject of fear. And, and you're going to hear the conclusion of that conversation. But as you do, listen to the gregarious nature of this fellow. To be certain, he was a sober-minded man. He wasn't silly. He wasn't trivial. He, he knew that he was dealing with serious issues. I'm talking about people and God's word. And he took that very seriously. He didn't want to biff it. And yet, listen to his voice, the intonation, the tone. Just, just a likable guy. And you're going to hear what we are currently missing. If you didn't know, Lou... Ah, we lost a gem. We, we, we lost a guy who contributed so much and had so much more to contribute. You're going to sense that as you listen to my time with him discussing the issue of fear. It can be a good thing, an alarm system, to warn you that there is danger ahead, Will Robinson, but fear can oftentimes be sinful. Uh, Dr. Lou Priolo, in your book on the subject of fear, catchy title, you list characteristics of sinful fear. So I'm going to read some of these characteristics. You comment. Fear is sinful when it proceeds out of unbelief or distrust in God. Yeah. As we said before the break, um, fear is indicative in some form or fashion sinful fear, that somewhere we're not trusting God the way that we should. And so if it's rooted in a lack of trust, it is a sin of omission. That's so positive because I think, oh, doing away with my fear, I, I, I've never been able to get a handle on it. Start growing in your trust in the Lord exactly, and it'll push it out. Sometimes when, when people struggle with fear one of the, and anxiety, one of the books we have them read is Trusting God. Mm. That's a good book. So it's a matter, of, as we said before. Is, is, that, is that in your stack? I didn't write that one. You've pretty much written everything else in biblical counseling. Yeah, I think that was Jerry Bridges. You missed that one, Jerry Bridges. Fear, <laughs> fear is sinful <clears throat> when that which produced the fear is attributed more power than what the Bible allows. What you talking about, Willis? When we attribute our boss as having more power than God, when we attribute our rebellious child as having more power than God or our husband as having more power than God, God is the blessed controller of all things. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wishes. Who is he, Lamentation says, who speaks and it comes to pass when the Lord has not commanded it? 
God is in control. And when we forget the fact that even though someone may be sinning against us, that God is sovereignly in charge of that, then it's easy for us to lose sight of God and to panic and to fear. Well, see, you've said the same concept about seven different times, sovereignty, that even the bad stuff, my teenager is a nightmare. I don't know that I, wait a second, God is sovereign. He gave me this little Tasmanian devil. I must need this person in my life. So I rest in sovereignty. So again, rather than just saying, stop being afraid, start trusting in the Lord and his sovereignty and understanding the implications of that. And then that will help to drive out the fear. Right. I'm catching on pretty fast, yeah, aren't I? Are. Yeah, here we go. Fear is sinful when it attributes to God characteristics that are inconsistent with his nature. God is a cosmic killjoy. He doesn't love me. He doesn't care about me. Mm-hmm. He's, he just brought us out of Egypt to slay us. Got it. Explain. Fear is sinful when we fear what God forbids us to fear. That's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, we're not supposed to fear people. We're not supposed to feel, fear the environment. We're not supposed to even, there's a funny, interesting verse in oh, it's Psalms. I forget the reference, but it says, <sighs> I thought we brought in a professional. Go ahead. <laughs> um, it says the the righteous will not be afraid of bad news. Oh, you know, so many people. Psalm one fourteen twelve. Thank you. I made that up. Did you? Oh, I've yeah. got a book on deception. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So do not be afraid of evil tidings. So many people live in fear of getting that email, or getting that letter, or getting that phone call. And I mean, that's understandable, but technically we should train ourselves to, to realize that good, bad news is going to happen and to trust God even when the bad news happens. Again, the doctrine of sovereignty. Sovereignty and, and, sovereignty and goodness, yes. Yeah, well, because sovereignty without goodness is horrifying. Right. Sovereignty with goodness is comforting yeah. and gives us strength and peace. So even if somebody's in a long season of scary stuff, let's say. We recognize God is in this. He's not doing this. And I'm getting with for some other reason. And I'm getting caught in the wake of it. No, he's doing it for my good. So again, for, growing, for your good and for his glory, and for his glory and, and you know, often the benefit of other people and, and for future ministry. Blessed be the father of mercies, God of all assistance, who assists us in all of our tribulations. So that we might be able to assist those who are in any trouble with the same assistance that we have received from them. Right, so it, it prepares you for ministry. And inevitably, especially when it's like a big, bad, ugh, you think, what was the point of all of this? 20 years later, you find yourself helping somebody who's in the same, ugh. Yeah. it happens it a does, lot. Yes. Fear is sinful when it is rooted in the loss of some cherished, cherished idolatrous desire. A lot of times we're afraid of losing something and often that's indicative of the fact that we've idolized that thing that we're afraid of losing. It could be a job, it could be money, it could be health, it could be a person. Um, so we, when we find ourselves being afraid, it's a good thing to check and say, okay, am I making an idol out of this? Right. Am I loving this thing inordinately? Am I wanting this thing, loving this thing? Am I telling myself, I can't live without this thing, my life's going to fall apart totally without it? Then that's uh, that's a good way to uh, determine when you're afraid 
whether or not God is using to fear the fear as a sort of an alarm clock to let you know, hey, you may need to dethrone that idol. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So this is, this is one of the aspects of biblical counseling I love. This isn't mind over matter. This is reorienting your mind, <laughs> aligning it with the way God thinks. And the more we can do that, the less fear we're going to have. It's interesting. If you look at the Greek word for repentance, which is? Metanoia Metan- or shub. New Testament, metanoia. Yeah, that, that's good. Shub is Old Testament. You're going in this direction, you turn around and go that direction. New Testament is metanoia, change of mind. But if you break it down met, uh, etymologically, it's meta is again, and noise has to do with your mind. So it's like think again or rethink. And so a lot of biblical counseling is teaching people how to rethink off, it. Yeah. Put off the old man, be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new man who's created in the image of Christ. So it really is a matter of teaching people, teaching ourselves, how to change the way we think. Did you catch that? <laughs> he was so colorful. And I'll be honest with you, I'm pretty bummed out. Because this was, this was a man who really, this, this is the best thing that you can say about Lou Priolo. When his wife, Kim, wrote about him. It it had very little to do with biblical counseling. She said something like she was married to a man. They were probably married, if I had to guess, maybe 40-some years. She said, yeah, yep, yep, biblical counselor, theologian, but he lived it. The man that we lived with at home, he, 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 he looked like Jesus. That's the measure of a man. That's it. I don't, you know what, if Lou Priolo had written 50 books, which he did, and he was a bad dad, I wouldn't be knocked out. If, if Lou Priolo had made $50 bazillion and he were a rotten husband, I wouldn't be impressed. But the fact of the matter is, the measurement that counts when it comes to looking at the life of a man, yep, we can celebrate the obvious stuff, and the accomplishments that the Lord accomplished through a sinful human being. But you want to eulogize somebody? If you've got something good to say about them in their home and in their marriage, well, that's a, that is that to me is a preeminent eulogy. And that was Dr. Lou Priolo. If you've never read any of his work, you will benefit from it. And we've, we've got it in our Transform store, the Wretched store. You can get it wherever you want to. But I'm telling you, this, this is a man who did indeed strive to be like Jesus. And he showed it in the lives of those who were nearest to him. This is Wretched Radio. I believe in a culture of life. One of the most impactful moments of my life was when I heard the heartbeat of my oldest daughter, Uh, in my wife's womb and then saw the sonograms 
of all three of my kids. The sonogram or the, the pictures that are taken of babies, still a profoundly helpful tool, which encourages me to encourage you to consider supporting Preborn Ministries, Preborn Ministries, and their network clinics. They are giving away free ultrasounds to women, but they do cost something. It's $28 an ultrasound. And just as you heard Governor DeSantis say, his view of life was profoundly changed when he saw the baby in the womb. When you see the form and the shape and the fingers and the heartbeat, would you please consider supporting Preborn? It's a great ministry of life. It has a high anthropology, shares the gospel with women and with the dads. Preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. Hey, thank you so much for listening to Wretched Radio today and to our ongoing monthly gospel partners. You're the foundation. You're the heartbeat of this mission. You stand firm with us and it's not just a commitment, but it is a testament to your faith and dedication to spreading the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to millions of people all over the world. And if you haven't yet quite made the leap to joining us as an ongoing monthly gospel partner, would you prayerfully consider doing so? No gimmicks, no punchlines, no hard sales here. I'm, I'm not doing any of that. I'm just giving you an honest to goodness invitation to be part of a mission that is changing lives all over the world. As we stand firm together, unwavering in this purpose, united in this mission, we are able to make a difference for eternity. Wretched.org slash donate is where you can find any answers to any questions you might ever possibly have on what it would look like to become an ongoing monthly gospel partner. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. I would say the Tomorrow Clubs is a wonderful ministry. Kids are getting saved like crazy, not just in Eastern Europe, but also in Africa. And it's so efficient. I was just with Paul and Cindy Marty and I asked and I said in, in American currency, how much does it cost? To have a kid come to a Tomorrow Club four times a month, so every single week. What what's the what does it take to make that happen? Ready? A buck, one dollar. That's it. The kid comes. They get treats. They get materials that they learn the Bible. They memorize a buck because it's it's all volunteer driven. All those dear ones, they're volunteers. It's an amazing ministry. And if you have a heart for the lost in Eastern Europe, Africa, and you love supporting ministries that are super efficient and biblically sound, I would point you in the direction of tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, and ask how many children might I be able to support per month? Attributes of God. Can a loving God be wrathful? If God loves righteousness, loves people, and wants what is best for His creation, He must hate what runs contrary to His will. God must always respond to sin with wrath, and His wrath must be satisfied. It is either satisfied on the cross, or each person will bear God's wrath eternally in hell. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Dr. Lou Priolo was a lot like... 1 John 2.12, this is Wretched Radio. You say, wait a second, how could a man who was a magnificent biblical counselor, father, husband, that the Lord took home last week, be 1 John 2.12? Well, here's what it says. I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. You say, oh, you're so you're saying that... Lou was forgiven. That's how he's like 1 John 2.12. Well, yes, that is one way he is like that verse. 
But it's that word little. I write to you little children. It's a term of endearment. It's a term of affection. It is a warm way to address somebody. And Lou is like that. And that is that is why we study men like this. Because you, 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 when you take a little time to listen to how they speak, what they say, and you identify, hey, 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 that's an ad. I, I like that. That's, a, that's an attractive attribute. I don't think I have that very much. You can spend more time with that individual to learn how to emulate it. And that is why we do well, especially you if you are young. You want to rocket your way ahead of, of, of your peers. If you're a Gen Zer, find older people. Men, if you're, if you're a young man, women, if you're a young woman, and study them. Got to be godly, of course, but study them so that you can become like them. We're going to do that right now with Dr. Lou Priolo. We lost him a week ago. I'm on my way to his funeral. And I spent time with him in the Wretched TV studio. We were talking about the subject of fear. This is so helpful. You're just going to hear some really helpful stuff from him. Step by step, how to overcome fear. But listen carefully. Listen carefully to this man. He's he's talking to me, an adult. You can argue that fact, but we'll just work with what we got. He's talking to me, an adult, and yet it's as if he's saying to all of us, because he, he knows that he's doing this for TV, oh, little children, Listen to the warmth of this guy, something we would all do well to emulate. The subject of fear, it's, it's very common, and we can all exhibit sinful fear. In this booklet, you come up with guidelines for conquering crippling fear. It's pretty good alliteration right there. I'm going to read it. You comment. All right. Learn to obey the first and second commandments. First and second greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. And the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. And remember, um, the two greatest commandments help us dispel our fear. First John 4, 18, there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. Now, that's really talking about two things. It's talking about our comprehension of God's love for us, but it's also talking about our love for God and our love for our neighbors. So as we continue to focus our attention on how to love God and how to love our neighbors, then that is one of the greatest means that we have to dispel over the long haul our fear. Help me understand that. I get the first part, love God more it's going gonna, it's gonna to bring along just a bunch of suitcases like love and trust and assurance. But loving my neighbor who's driving me nuts, that I'm afraid of, that causes me agitation, how does growing in love remove the fear that is produced from the person that's an enemy? First of all, it gets your focus off yourself and how you're being hurt and what he's doing or she's doing to you. Love is, is basically meeting the needs of the other person. I mean, Jesus said, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. Paul says, uh, love your wife as Christ loved the church. And Jesus says, love your enemies. 
And so like, what does that mean? Love is meeting the needs of the other person. And so when you look at your enemy, when you look at your wife, when you look at your neighbor and figure out what his or her needs are, and you begin to look at your resources and see if you can get your resources to meet their needs, that is effectively how you love your neighbor. And in the process of doing that, you'll get your eyes off of yourself onto the Lord and it will help you, it will help minimize the intensity of the fear that you experience in the short term. In the long term, it can do a lot more than that. And while I'm at it, when Jesus says, love your neighbors as yourself, he doesn't mean love them exactly the same way you love yourself. I mean, I always love myself the right way. I eat too much sometimes, you know, I do other things that, you know, in the process of loving myself that I, I regret later on. No, what he's saying is you love your neighbor with the same intensity, with the same fervor, with the same ardency that you naturally love yourself. So again, it's the idea of putting yourself in the other person's shoes, figuring out what his needs are, and then intensely meeting those needs just the way you would when you nurture yourself and cherish yourself. You know, you get a cut, you run to the medicine cabinet, you know, you, 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 you open up the mandate, you cleanse it out, you, you kind of nurture and cherish yourself. You naturally take care of yourself. And I think that's the point that Jesus is making. What you just described is again, putting off, putting on. Instead of fearing the bully, fearing that boss, I'm replacing that with love and it's pushing out the fear for that person. Now, does that mean I always drop my guard? I don't keep myself safe? Love, again, is it, it, it involves giving people what they need, not necessarily what they want. There may be time over the course of our day when I will love you by rebuking you or approving you. I mean, you may not see it as love, but if biblically it's love, then whether you recognize it or not is not the primary concern. So no, it doesn't mean you don't protect yourself. It means you do what you have to do. I mean, in, in certain cases, calling the authorities or or getting other people to come alongside and confront a sitting but brother. It's how it's, see, but it's how it's done. And this is something that I'd like to explore with you in depth someday, okay. is that when we communicate, I want to rebuke my spouse. Okay, so we're going to leave those dishes lying around again? I'm just rebuking her. No, you're... It's doing it in a way that is motivated from love so that it doesn't come out all snarky. Let your communication, Ephesians 4.29, be always with grace. No, actually, that's Colossians 3. Don't let any rotten words proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace. To so again, to do that, yeah. to fulfill that command, I've got to be working on my own heart. Absolutely. And that is where biblical counseling shines. Well, even, even when you think about, you know, convicting, and that's another word, we think rebuke, it's like, you know, really hit him over the head with it. No, it's, 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 it's convict him. We are to convict other people of their sin. Paul says in, in Second uh, Timothy 4, 2, rebuke, exhort, convict with great patience and careful instruction. In Matthew 18, if your brother sins, go and tell him his faults, the word convict, it's a legal term, to help a person realize that he has sinned. The fact of the matter is, even when we convict a spouse or try to, or a child, or a neighbor, or a pastor, or whoever, we're supposed to get the beam out of our own eye first. Now, it doesn't mean we have to be perfect, but when he says, restore such a one in Galatians 6.1, 
in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself. I mean, it's realizing I, I, tomorrow I may be rebuking you today. Tomorrow you'll be doing you, it to exactly. me. If we want to get over fear, we need a scriptural tranquilizer. Can you write me that script? When we, yes, yes. In fact, I have several prescriptions in my pocket. Right. <laughs> What's um, a, what is a scriptural tranquilizer and what does it have to do with fear? Basically, it involves memorizing and meditating on those portions of scripture that really identify and address the particular fear that you are struggling with. When we read scripture, it has... A, a very strong effect on our lives. It changes us, it cleanses us, it convicts us. But when we memorize scripture, okay, it becomes a part of our soul as it was. And so the idea is when you're struggling with, and it's not just fear, it could be any painful emotion, to go through the Bible, especially the book of Psalms, and, and highlight those particular portions of scripture that really sort of hit the bullseye in terms of what it is that you're afraid of or what it is you're struggling with or what part of God's perfections of his character you're not thinking about. And then to memorize those scriptures in the very moment that you are struggling with that fear. And so often when you begin to memorize and think about and contemplate and meditate on those scriptures, it's like the spirit takes oil and rubs it into the wound and really gives you a sense of peace and a sense of comfort that you might not otherwise get even more so than if you simply read the passage a time or two. Dr. Lou Priolo, like listening to a hug. For that reason, countless others will mourn. We'll do it with hope, but we'll mourn the loss of a man that was used mightily by the Lord. I'm headed to his funeral, and I suspect that the primary focus isn't going to be on Lou. It's going to be on his Savior. And until tomorrow, go serve your king. 